Okay, hi, this is William Ramsey. Welcome to William Ramsey Investigates on today's show. I have a very special guest, a returning guest. His name is John Hankey. We spoke December 10th, 2021, and we spoke about some of his early documentaries, but when I was speaking to him in December, I found out that he made another video documentary, which I watched this morning. The title of that documentary is Trump for Real, and uh, he made it before uh, the election in 2016, but we're going to kind of talk about that video and Trump and some of this other stuff, Bannon, Cambridge Analytica, things like that. So, John Hankey, welcome back to the show. Thanks for coming back on. I'm delighted to be here. I appreciate the the invitation. Awesome. So, for people who may not have heard our last show, can you talk about some of your earlier documentaries, why you made this documentary? And then you also made the COVID Inside Job one. Maybe we can talk about that as well. Um, well, <laughs> I'm like everybody else, I think, which is that, you know, we're all out here struggling, trying to figure it out. I was talking to my son this morning about about Darwin and Freud and and Marx and um, every other wannabe scientist trying to look at what it means to be a human being and and try to figure it out um, and you know look at history and make some sense of it and and look at human psychology and make some sense of it and um, look at human origins and try to make some sense of it. So that's that's what I'm trying to do. And when I was 20 years old, um, my best friend had a bootleg copy of the Zapruder film, which is the film of Kennedy getting his brains violently blown out um, in the street of Dallas. And he showed that to me. And, you know, I was, I've always been an A student. I've always worked very, very hard. I thought that was what my job was. And I, you know, I'm a dutiful guy. I wanted to make my parents happy. And, you know, I, I wanted to repay them for all the wonderful things that they did for me. So, you know, my job is to be a student. I worked very hard. And I, th this friend of mine shows me this thing, and I'm 20. And, you know, I, I had taken history very, very seriously. When I was in the seventh grade, I read The Rise and Fall of the Third Reich because I wanted to understand history. That's a, the book's a piece of garbage, but I wanted to understand history anyway. Um, so I saw this, and I, I think it's fairly solid to say that since I was 20, I have been trying to fill in the obviously huge gaps in my education about how the world works and why Kennedy was assassinated and who killed him and so on. Um, and so along the way, well, in this video that we're looking, are we all looking at the cover of this video right now? Hopefully if um, you're on YouTube, it's is Trump for real. It's right. It shows up very readily on YouTube. If you watch it at Vimeo, they'll pay you, may get you to pay a dollar, and I might get some of that. So I don't mind if you pay a dollar to watch it on Vimeo. It seems a reasonable price. Anyhow, um, what I say in the video, well, should I? Yeah, well, yeah, please continue. Well, I, well it's just that John Kennedy was, was murdered by the most powerful people on the planet. Um, and actually, I... I've been, I retired three years ago and I have been working harder <laughs> in my retirement. I, I, I work a hardcore six hours a day studying documents, right? The stuff that is from the U.S. government websites to try to understand what the foreign policy of the U.S. was leading up to Kennedy's murder and what it was leading away from Kennedy's murder. And you should have me back and have me go on and on about that because I really have stuff to say. But so 
Um, here I am, like everybody else, trying to figure it out. And this guy, Donald Trump, rolls along. And I say in the video that he is talking on Fox News and he's talking about Lee Harvey Oswald and he refers to Oswald. He's right. He's trying to blame um, Ted Cruz's father for being involved in the Kennedy assassination. And he says that um, he, he refers to Oswald as you see that guy. This is in the picture of Oswald. He says this is just, you know, weeks before. And if he were anyone else, he would say, if he were any other politician, he would have said, this is weeks before Oswald shot Kennedy. But he didn't. He said, this is weeks before Oswald was shot. And I saw that and I thought, geez, this Trump guy, maybe he's, maybe he's not the guy that I think he is. And, you know, maybe there's more to him than has met my eye. Anyway, um, so, you know, I look, I start paying more attention and he, also, uh, I don't think it's Fox News. It's a different program, but he makes reference to the fact that the U.S. doesn't have to have a debt at all. We can just print the money. And, right, you, you pay your bills, you print the money. I think Benjamin Franklin may have said that. Um, <laughs> I'm not kidding. Um, and so this, if you take that position as president of the United States, you can't take a position that more powerfully undermines the power of the bankers, if you just say, well, we're not, we're going to stop doing business with the banks. And when we need money, we're going to print it. So I was, you know, I was shocked and, and was paying lots and lots of attention um, to Trump. And a friend of mine, uh, I taught for LA Unified in the, in the most impoverished schools in Los Angeles for 30 years. I'm, I'm something I'm proud of, but it was also, you know, I learned a lot from my students. I, I mean that very sincerely, and I could go on and give you several really important examples, but um, I, this friend of mine who's a teacher says, he sends me a video of Trump promoting wrestling, promoting his brand of wrestling, and he pretends to assault the owner of the other wrestler. I mean, he grabs the guy and throws him to the ground and pretends to punch him. And then they drag the guy up onto the canvas and they shave his hair off. And it's, this is all in the video, right? This right, is, right. So, so this friend of mine is saying, no, no, Trump's a clown. And the really decisive piece, there's also a, a clip from Jesse Ventura pointing out that he, he and Larry King are discussing who Trump is going to pick as vice president. And... Um, Ventura says, if Trump picks somebody who's very mainstream, that's going to put the crosshairs on him. And if he doesn't conform completely to what is being demanded of him, they'll just kill him and they'll then get the new person as the vice president. And when that new person turned out to be Mike Pence, it became very, very clear that Trump was nothing remotely resembling the person that he had been pretending to be. All right, another clip is, is uh, him at the debates. And boy, he lays into Jeb Bush like I've never heard anyone lay into any Bush saying that they knew there were no weapons of, dis of mass destruction in Iraq and they lied and said that there were in order to justify this war, which has been a waste of $2 million. Two trillion dollars, excuse me. That's only off by a million. Anyway, um, and 
uh, sorry, a hundred thousand. Anyway, when he chose Pence, it showed that that was all a fraud. Pence, it, the, the clips are all, all this information is in the video of how Pence was one of the major advocates for the war in Iraq and he had been a congressman for a month and a half and he went after Ashcroft, the then attorney general, for failing to support the allegations that Iraq had been behind the anthrax attacks. Well, Ashcroft, Ashcroft couldn't support it because the all of the military medical people were saying, well, you know, we did the DNA on this, and this came from U.S. labs. Right. The DNA that was used in the anthrax attacks is the DNA of the anthrax that's in Fort Detrix, and, it, and, and, and other issues as well. Right? Pence is running around saying, oh, we know this is military weapon because they changed the DNA. This, is, this has been modified to make it uh, resistant to by antibiotics and you know the, the head of the military investigation gets on the camera and says no 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 we've tested it and it it is very very susceptible to the antibiotics we're treating it with so that Pence is just lying crazy challenging Ashcroft who was you know very very senior and very very well respected and he's he's threatening him and and accusing him of, of protecting the guilty Iraqis so for Trump to have chosen this mad dog pro-war individual is to say that he put himself in a position where if he didn't completely conform and follow all of the rules that he was ordered to follow, that they would take him out now. now you want a Republican, Republican apparatchik. apparatchik. Oh, <laughs> did, did, yes. And, you know, on the one hand... Well, no, absolutely. And, but, right, I mean, this guy, they picked him up. I don't remember if he was putting gasoline in cars or something. And um, they got him a job on right wing radio and they groomed him on right wing, as right as a spokesman for the right. And when it was, he, they felt he was ready, they moved him into the Congress. And a year and a half in the Congress, he's going after Ashcroft in this fashion. Anyway, he's, he, He's more than an apparatchik, right? If you are a year and a half in the Congress and you're going after um, this very, very senior Republican official, the way that he went, accusing him, right? Accusing him of being a traitor and, you know, doing it loudly and as publicly as, as he could possibly hope to do. This is more than an, than an apparatchik, apparatchik, apparatchik. It, 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 it's of a much more elevated status than, is, than the individuals that you will hear that term applied to typically are. And, you know, the proof of the pudding is in the eating. It, I'm saying he's more elevated than you might have thought. And he, he was the vice president for four years. Um, so if you're ready, we'll ask the question, how did this come to pass? that the Republicans were forced into the position of selecting such a baboon as their candidate. Are we ready to address that question? Yeah, yeah. Yes, okay. We are, we are. <laughs> so it's, like I say, I've, I've been a very, very hardworking and careful student of this stuff. And people, everybody's entitled to their own opinion. My opinion, my observation 
is that the vast majority of Trump supporters believe that 9-11 was an inside job. And anybody who wants to dispute me on that, please feel free. But let, you know, Alec, well, let's start with Alex Jones and move on from there. But you know, I'm, I'm sitting on a plane talking to people, right? Um, walking down the street talking to people. And this is, my, I'm on the, I have lots of email friends and I'm telling you that the ones who support Trump all are very, very, if, 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 are certainly believers that 9-11 was an inside job, and many of them are leaders of the 9-11 truth movement. So the thing that occurred was that after 9-11, most Republicans, I think, you know, every, certainly every person in the military with any air defense background knew that 9-11 was an inside job because there was a stand down of the air defenses, right? It, Everybody yeah, understood that. The plane should have like been up in the air in five minutes, right? Yes, and and the plane that hit the Pentagon, um, hit the Pentagon fifty five zero minutes after the first plane hit one of the World Trade Center towers, and the Pentagon at warp speed, the Pentagon is eight seconds away from Andrews Air Force Base. Eight seconds and they had 50 minutes well you do the math i'm too lazy but they they had time and Manetta was the secretary of transportation and it's really interesting he got called to testify in front of the 9-11 commission and apparently i, I guess they figured nobody's going to pay attention um and Manetta gets in there and describes how um cheney ordered the stand down and how this young soldier keeps running in and saying the plane's 50 miles out comes back the plane's 40 miles out <laughs> and and at ten these miles out, stand, right? He keeps asking him. Say it again. He's, he keeps asking him, "Do these orders stand?" Yes. Does at ten miles out, he says, "Does the order still still stand?" At which point, um, Mendetta says that Cheney whips his head around angrily and says, "Have you heard anything to the contrary?" Well, no. Well, then then get out of here and don't come back. And then a few seconds later, there's a big boom. Um, <clears throat> So that Jeb Bush had $20 million in the bank in his, in his fund to become the new president, and he never pulled over 4%. And right, his competition, the highest, right, the largest bank account of any of his competitors was a million, and he had $20 million and he couldn't get more than 4%. And so my observation is that Steve Bannon, who'd actually been working on this problem, well, you have to ask yourself. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure Steve Bannon asked himself, how the hell did a black guy named Barack Hussein Obama get elected president of the United States? How is that possibly, how could that possibly happen? And he won by 8 million votes. How could that possibly happen? And the reason that it happened is because lots and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of Republicans and independents couldn't bring themselves to vote for Romney because he was so clearly a Bush candidate. And I was one, I was one of those. Okay, well, <laughs> we can get into that later. But anyhow, um, so Steve Bannon is looking at this, and and you know the light goes on in his head. We have to have a candidate who is, will appear to not be 
connected to that. And um, in 2012, I can't believe this, in, that it was this long ago. In 2012, Bannon contacted Cambridge Analytica, which was a military contractor working with the British and U.S. militaries on psychological warfare. <laughs> and that's who he contacted. Well, that's his story. And he said to them, um, hey, what, what, what are we going to do? And there's this guy, Christopher Wiley. He's got pink hair. I, if you've, if, if you've seen yeah, that's right, yeah. if you've seen video on, on Cambridge Analytica, he is the earliest guy who came out. Now, let me say there is a Netflix documentary called The Great Hack. And they don't have Wiley in it. They have this other woman. Um, and so my observation is that the great hack isn't terrible. And, you know, it's got lots of useful information, but it's sanitized. I believe that it is sanitized. And one of the things that they keep out of it is the fact, good gravy, <laughs> the, the New Yorker magazine. I don't know if people in your audience are familiar, but the New Yorker magazine thinks a lot of themselves. They... And they're very, and right, they have this, what they consider to be a sterling reputation. And they work very, very hard to try to maintain their sterling reputation. They don't print stuff typically that isn't really, really well documented. And they, they, they printed a thing on COVID that was just wild in terms of the truth telling that was involved. They had an article on the murder, on the assassination of Tupac Shakur, by the powers that be and the, the information in that article indicating that this was a federal operation were just stunning. But they figured nobody who reads The New Yorker is going to be going out and doing anything to, to take revenge for the murder of Tupac. So they could get away with printing that. They had this really excellent article on COVID that if you look at it with the least bit of an analytical eye, it makes it very, very clear. Right? It's written by one of the most prestigious epidemiologists in the, on the planet. And this guy is he's he's posing these problems that they have not been able to solve. They haven't been able to uh, come up with a model for COVID that comes within 3,000% of predicting the outcomes that they can document in, right? Why is it that the Western countries, that's the, the central question that has been bugging these guys, is why is the death toll so much and until recently until the last year the death toll in europe was way higher than it was in africa or india and they, they couldn't begin to explain it well anyhow <laughs> right what the point is the new yorker had this article on trump in which they interviewed the friends of steve bannon and all of the friends of steve bannon not on. two of the friends, two of Steve Bannon's closest associates discussed the fact that Bannon um, was a huge admirer of Hitler and of Hitler's propaganda. And that one Bannon's reputed best friend looked at one of the Trump documentaries that Bannon had produced and said, you got that from Triumph of the Will. And Bannon looked at him and said, you're the first person to notice that. Wow, yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, so. Um, 
that in, in the New Yorker as well, they had articles. There was an article about probably it had to have touched on Cambridge Analytica. In fact, they had a really, really, I know they had a good article written by uh, Ronan Farrell, uh, Mia Farrell's son, about Cambridge Analytica that was really, really excellent. And they had one that was related to that. I believe this is a separate article that was about how the Mossad is involved in right-wing election campaigns in California. Well, that's the one that they can identify, right? That that blip comes up on their radar. But if you got any brains at all, you know that they're not. The Mossad is not spending all of their time trying to get right wing, right wing, right wingers elected to just in California, right? <laughs> in rural California, in in a single congressional district <clears throat> in rural California, so that it, it's my considered opinion that Cambridge Analytica are the guys that they have thrown to the wolves while they in order to create a smoke screen and a, and a diversion from all of the other massive uh, efforts to employ the exact same techniques and technology and you know they employed them in the ukraine you, you find lots of people who are very mainstream who are, have tuned into the fact that um this the fascist revolution that took place in Ukraine was done in exactly the same fashion that the Trump campaign was waged. And the same thing is going on in Hungary right now. The same thing has gone on in Poland. And there's lots of very, very mainstream people who are looking at this and it scares the hell out of them. And they think there's going to be a right wing coup in the United States. And I want to believe that that can't possibly be the case. And anyway, anyway. Um, so one of the reasons you want to watch that video, people in the audience want to watch that video is because it documents what I consider to be one of the most important facts of the last hundred years. In fact, no, it's, 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 it's a hundred years since Hitler was in World War One, And you're going to see if you can find that. Anyway, try to, I'm please do. Please do. Because if, if you go to the library and you get out a 400-page biography of Hitler, it is going to cite a, a um, article that was written in 1942 called I Was Hitler's Boss. It was written by this guy, Captain Mayer, who is accepted as the authority for Hitler's history from 1918 to 19, whenever the day was that Hitler joined the Nazi party. This guy says that on orders from the highest levels of the German military, General Ludendorff walked into his office because they didn't want any paperwork and they were looking for a Trump figure. They were looking for a candidate who could stand up and lead a massive rally of people who would get excited and be cheering and would, who would be following their orders. And so they came across Hitler, Jesus. <laughs> Hitler had been a communist. The, the, 
there was a communist revolution, you don't know this. None of nobody in your audience knows. What ended World War One? Why did World War One stop stop when it did? Well, I'm going to tell you. <laughs> you won't find it anyplace else, but you can check on it. They they won't connect the dots for you, but if you look, you will find that the two dots are that there was a communist revolution in Berlin, and then there was then there was one in Munich. And communists, this is this is Mr. Hankey's definition. Communists are people who think that the world should be run for the benefit of the people <laughs> of mankind. That the first priority of the business, or the first priority of the, of the business of the government, is to look out for the citizens of that government and not to look out for the moneyed elite, the moneyed aristocracy, and so that you know I'm, I'm not saying oh he's a wild inflammatory horrible communist he's he's a guy who looks at the way that the germany was being run by the the aristocracy for the benefit of the aristocracy and to the huge detriment of everybody else in europe world war one was not good for your average person in europe and they sent the military they ended the war immediately when that happened the allies and the Germans agreed, oh, no, 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 no. We, where there was a, a Russian revolution where they deposed the aristocracy. There's a German revolution where, in fact, they, they deposed the German aristocracy. The German aristocracy did not blatantly hold power ever again, except that Hitler was their boy. Hitler was the guy that they found and trained and recruited. Anyway, Mayer says that they Hitler got arrested because he was a member of the communist cell that was part of the communist revolution in Munich and they tortured him and he ratted out all of his friends and he right, he was a he was the most minor of communist party party officers in his barracks but he was a low-level communist party officer and he he ratted out all the leaders and then he begged Captain Mayer for a job and Captain Mayer says that Hitler didn't write Mein Kampf just the same way Trump didn't write his book, and Hitler couldn't get a job at the post office. Well, I'd like to see Trump take the post office examination. We'd find out. Uh, you can't get any of Trump's transcripts. There's a reason for that. Anyway, so, yes, you're, you're looking on the screen. You have pictures of Hitler at that time and of the excerpts from the article that was printed in the New York Times and is cited by every reputable biography of Hitler on the planet saying that Hitler was a, re, a, he was a completely a stooge. He was recruited. He was trained in racism. Mayer says that Hitler wasn't racist. And in fact, geez, Louise, I, I live in Los Angeles, right? There, there are some wealthy Jewish people in Los Angeles. You may have heard that rumor. And therefore, the Holocaust Museum in Los Angeles is not only spectacular, but right across the street is a massive library. And I've I was chasing this stuff down and I walked across the street and I, I open it up and that's what the Jewish encyclopedia says about Hitler was that he was not, they aren't able to find anything, um, any expression of anti-Semitism by Hitler until he was ordered by Captain Mayer to start writing anti-Semitic letters to, in answer to letters that, that the newspaper was receiving from right from some soldier and, and Hitler would be commissioned to write the letter responding. 
and saying how the Jews are the, the cause of all the problems. The point is the anti-Semitism that Hitler took up was had been imposed upon him by German army intelligence. And I'm not defending Hitler. I'm not saying Hitler was a good guy. He was not. He, you know, they told him to do it and he did it. Well, you know, I'm sorry, but I just following orders. That's not one of uh, the excuses, excuses that I accept from mass murders. Anyway, um, so Steve Bannon is studying this and he contacts Cambridge Analytica and he says, you know, they they wrote Hitler's speeches for him in which he talked about jobs Right. They wrote Hitler's speeches for him in which he talked about how the bankers mayor says that his commander Ludendorff was meeting with the top bankers on a weekly basis. Oh, my goodness. At the Four Seasons Hotel in Munich. The Four Seasons Hotel in Munich. That's where the Holocaust was run from. If you. I, I, I have another video about JFK Jr.'s murder, and in that video, there's a lengthy, it's written, you have to stop and you have to read it, um, discussion of the fact that, th th this struck me as a surprise, it's one of the things I learned when I walked across the street to the, from the Holocaust Museum in, into the library, is that the plan for the Holocaust was not initiated the meeting it's called the Wannsee conference the Wannsee conference yeah do you know when that took place uh, it was 41 scheduled, i think it was 41 it was scheduled to take place on the day that the pearl harbor attack took place and they canceled the meeting because of the pearl harbor attack and they came back a month later now the us Germany declared war on the U.S. because they read it would you can't declare war on us. We're going to beat you to the punch. And then the U.S. declared war on on Germany. The Germans had already lost the war against the Russians. The Russians were advancing as fast as they could walk when the Wannsee Conference took place, and the Americans were threatening to open up a, a second front. The war was, for all practical purposes, over, and these guys decide that they are going to sap resources from the war effort that they are losing in order to exterminate nine-year-old Jewish kids to chase them. I spoke to a guy who was nine years old and was chased all over Europe. He had to keep moving because the SS were after him. And he said to me that he had often wondered how the hell, how it, it was a question, I'm sharing the, my questions with him. And he said, yes, he'd had the same question of how it is that the Germans, when they're fighting this war that's not going well for them, could divert so many resources to chasing this, 19, this nine-year-old kid all over the place. That, Jesus, they, if you watch Schindler's List, they were killing Jewish people who were working in their factories producing war material. It, they, they diverted trains. They the guys on the Russian front are freezing and they divide, diverted trains that were supposed to be supplying them, you know, with blankets and, and winter clothes. How is that possible? The point is, let me rephrase that question. Who did the Holocaust benefit? Well, it didn't benefit the German people and it didn't benefit the German soldiers. Who did it benefit? It benefited the 
bankers because those six million Jews all had money in the banks. And if you kill not only the adults, but all of the children, there's nobody to collect the deposits. And th this is documented that these guys, if, oh, and, and the Rothschild banks are included in that, right? The, in the horror stories told by survivors where they went in with the bank book to the bank and told them that this is my father's bank book and the banks demanded to see a death certificate from the Nazis from Auschwitz before they would hand over the, the savings that were reflected in this book. And these are stories that are told not just in Aryan banks, but also in the Rothschild banks. In fact, I got the book on my shelf written by a guy who's, he's not anti-Rothschild. He's a his serious historian. That's his thing. He doesn't have an ax to grind. And he, he says that the Rothschild banks were reputedly the worst in the way that they treated people and drove them out the doors, yelling at them not to come back. Um, so... This is the guy that Bannon, this is the process that Bannon is studying. And he goes to these military contractors, the psychological warfare contractors, Cambridge Analytica, who I'm telling you, I believe are the tip of the iceberg that, that hide the, the involvement of the Mossad and who knows how many other uh, right, ultra right-wing organizations in, in promoting this cause. And they give him a list. And this guy, the pink-haired guy, Chris Wiley, talks about how, yeah, we came up with, Bannon came to us in 2012 and said, we want to get our candidate elected. And they said, well, so they did, right, they used Facebook. Right. Facebook sent an army of people to the Trump campaign headquarters to help them create this psychological war upon every person who, you know, they... Cambridge Analytica developed these profiles using Facebook of, of people who were going to be susceptible and what they were going to be susceptible to. And they said, build a wall, deep state, infrastructure, um, and racism against Muslims. And then they created the propaganda and they used Facebook to target it. And they managed to mobilize all of these people to believe that Trump was a sincere and righteous human being and that he was different from the guys who did 9-11 and he was independent and boy, he was going to do this. So we got 10 minutes. I think I'm done. Yeah, yeah. We got 10 we got minutes 10 more. more. I mean, I mean but, he, but they, they also, also played him off of Hillary and all that other stuff. Like he was the good guy. She was corrupt. And I mean, <sighs> do you know if the right and Bannon have anything to do with QAnon? <laughs> you're, you're kidding me, right? I mean, aren't they aren't they the ones running? I don't know if that's been proved well, or not. Take well, of course it has been proved. It's the deepest, darkest secret. I mean, who killed John Kennedy? Do you know the answer to that question? Uh, it's the, the deepest. Right, the rich, right? It's the, it's the yeah, but but who? It's the deepest, darkest secret. And I've spent the last you know fifty years, and I have the answer, by the way. So you all, you guys, all want to watch my next video, and you have to have me on. Uh, to announce it, I, yeah, I've got yeah, almost, yeah. I've got almost thirty minutes of it done. I'll be done in a month. Okay. Anyway, right. anyway, of course, take get take off the Q and stick on a B and tell me what you get. Banan, banana, banan, banan, banan. You think that's a joke? That's not. These guys do this kind of crap. 
Daniel Ellsberg. You heard of Daniel Ellsberg? Of course. Yeah. Daniel Ellsberg is and is the deepest, darkest operative. He was involved in everything. He was involved. He was working for the guys who did the Tonkin Gulf incident. He was there on the decks when they were torturing people. Oh my God. The mastermind of the Kennedy assassination is Ed Lansdale. Ed Lansdale was a CIA general and Colonel Fletcher Prouty and General Harkins. No, it's not Harkins. Um, Krupchek, I want to say. That, that Krulak, General Krulak, have both gone on the record that this, there's a photograph of Lansdale on the street in Dealey Plaza signaling the men who were arrested behind the grassy knoll and letting them know that don't panic, guys. The cops are walking you to the jail, and the minute you get in, you're going to turn around and walk out the back door. And that's precisely what happened. And Jim Garrison talks about that. Um, and one of the cops who was involved talked to Jim Garrison about it. it anyway, <laughs> should I it's spoil a, it? That's what? a whole other story. Because, but it does kind of tie into Trump and how somebody's created as a political figure. And uh, well, and it's, the way, same, it's the same people, right. right? Kennedy, Kennedy. Oh, jeez. It's just so amazing. But any, it, J. Edgar Hoover wrote a memo in which, the like four days after the assassination, in which he names Mr. George Bush of the CIA, right? That's, that's the centerpiece of um, my first video on the Kennedy assassination, Dark Legacy, is this memo written by J. Edgar Hoover. The title of the memo is Assassination of John Kennedy. He says, we've been investigating these guys that I'm learning everybody in the know, all the, the higher echelons in Washington understood that it was the Operation Mongoose guys who had murdered John Kennedy. They were on the street. Well, they were on the street, but so were the highest ranking members of Operation Mongoose. George Herbert Walker Bush was arrested coming out of the Dow Tex building and this is what Roger Craig, the, the cop who um, was Jim Garrison's favorite Dallas policeman says, he doesn't say George H.W. Bush. He says that the guy who was arrested coming out of the Dallas Tex building and Garrison and he agreed. Garrison talks about this arrest, that they both thought this was the most important arrest that day. And the guy come, that was being, as he was being escorted to the police station, told the arresting officer that he was an independent oil man from Houston. That's Bush. My point really was that he's named by J. Edgar Hoover. Well, his associate, his closest associate in Operation Mongoose was E. Howard Hunt. And there's a memo written by Jesus Angleton. Jesus, I don't know why I like to call him. James Jesus Angleton. James Angleton is who you will find him referred to as. He's the head of CIA counterintelligence, and he names Hunt as having been in Dallas and having been involved in the assassination. So the point is, is that the point? That if you dig at this stuff long and hard enough, you can find the memo written by the guy who trained Hitler, and you can find the memo written, written by J. Edgar Hoover, and you can find the memo written by Jesus Angleton naming these people. And 
in my video, you know, I also look at, well, who are these guys working for? Right. And, and it's the trillionaires. Right. Um, it's, party, and, party, yeah. well, so here's one for you. I, I have a friend who wrote something to try to get it published in which he pointed out, he says that the United States, by refusing to, to release the Kennedy assassination documents, it's just a huge international embarrassment for the United States. It makes the United States look so bad. Everybody who's got two cents worth of brains looks at that and says, well, damn, the truth must, given how terrible it looks that they are refusing 58 years later to re release the documents, given how terrible that makes them look, the truth must be much more terrible than anything that we can imagine because we are being spurred to imagine the most terrible thing that we can and we're being spurred to, they're, they're doing that to us. Well, it struck me after I got to think about it for a week that this isn't good for the reputation of the United States. And one of the things that you observe with COVID is that it is not a US-based phenomenon. It's a NATO-based phenomenon. NATO, right, the attacks weren't just on the United States. They were mainly on the United States and Europe. They, it's my observation that they wanted to kill off the retirees. I don't know if you ever noticed how much the Republicans hate paying out Social Security to retirees and paying out Medicare to retirees. I read Bush, Jeb Bush said that he wanted to cut it. He wanted to make cuts. It's one of the reasons. It's one of the reasons he could never pull over four percent. But it's it's been there, you know, the 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 gravel choking them, right, stuck in their craw since Roosevelt passed it in what, what I don't know the nineteen thirty something. Anyway, um, and but. They, the U.S. hatred for Social Security has its European parallel. And, it's, I mean, you when you see two, a, a dead guy lying on the ground and a guy with a smoking gun, well, why did he kill him? Well, you can only speculate unless the guy tells you. And they're not going to tell us why they did COVID. The, the appearance of the, oh, my goodness, the woman who's in charge of the Oxford vaccine, right? Oxford University. Last time, yeah. She, you can find it. You can find on the U.S. government website the document of her requesting permission to test the vaccine in 2018. She had, she says, that the vaccine that they're using, she says she had in 2018. She got it from the Rocky Mountains Labs, the U.S. Military Biowarfare Center at the, at the Rocky Mountain Labs, although the Chinese say that the U.S. has hundreds of covert bioweapons labs. And I'm very much inclined to say that's that's probably a pretty good estimate. It's not, right, you don't have a bioweapons lab and broadcast it. Dietrich has been there for a while and that's that's their smokescreen. Two minutes, I'm right. done. Smoke screen for the, two, two minutes, we're done. I mean, there's a lot of evidence that shows this whole thing was pre-planned. The pandemic was actually pre-planned. They knew- Well, I, I don't buy that. I, I, I don't buy that as the evidence. Okay. Well, I would say that there's actually a very good book about a guy from a guy. I got to find the title for it, but he's put it together. He was a well, legit, a legit but, researcher. Except I read the epidemiologist, and the epidemiologist, ever since Ebola, 
at least since Ebola have been screaming, you have to be prepared. And, you know, I saw a video done very much with the cooperation of these people, really competent, super competent people in Washington. Now, now hang on, super competent people in Washington who are sitting there, these, these epidemiologists, and it's a whole program. The Washington, Seattle area is very, very advanced. And the question is, if you're so advanced, how did 600,000 people die of COVID? So there was a stand down. It's just like 9-11. There was a stand down. Oh, my good goodness. It's, it's called COVID-19, COVID-19 COVID inside job. Oh, I have a friend who has a, this is the place you can see it. It's called darkroom.film. And if you go to darkroom.film and you go to the documentaries, please, you go to, oh, and by the way, I mean, if you're a film buff, you're not, you're going to, you're going to die you're never going to leave that website. There's so much, so much really fabulous classic uh, videos there. And it's like 99 cents a, a month. Oh, darkroom.film. Very good. You go down to documentaries and all of my stuff is there. Um, and for 99 cents, you can see all of it. Not to mention, oh, my goodness, Kurosawa. You know, the, he's, the, he's famous for um, samurai movies. But the first movie he ever made was just Oh, it's called Stray Dogs. And I couldn't, it's my favorite movie. It's just. Interesting. I'll check it out. It, when's your next it, movie coming out? When's your next movie? When's your, your, would you have a title for it? <laughs> Dark Legacy Breakthrough. Dark Legacy Breakthrough, right. Because it's a breakthrough, right? I mean, it, I found the stuff putting, the stuff about Bush being, being the, uh, being the shooter, there's an FBI document that puts him, an FBI document that puts him in Dallas the day of the assassination. There's a Dallas Morning News advertisement that puts him in Dallas the day of the assassination, and he says he was in Houston, right? There's, he, when asked about something else, right, he, he said, I don't know, I was in Houston. And he's, anyway. Um, John, I got to run. I got to yes. take off. Thanks so much for your time. Again, people go watch this video. Is Trump for real? I saw it on Vimeo, and then you can check out his other stuff at darkroom.film. Darkroom.film. It's it's really, really an amazing uh, website. Cool, man. Well, keep in touch, and let me know when that new movie comes out. Oh, you uh, you bet. <laughs> Actually, I can show you the first 30 minutes. <laughs> I'd, I'd like to see it, but I can't do it right now. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. All right. Take care, John. You too. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.